Welcome to Farmer Talk Radio. I'm Valerie Bowling. It is estimated that between 7 to 10 million people globally have Parkinson's disease. My guest today is living with Parkinson's, and she is an outstanding patient advocate who experienced the GDNF clinical trial. In this podcast discussion, our guest will give us an insight into living with Parkinson's, about the GDNF clinical trial, and what's next. So with that, it is my pleasure to welcome from the UK, Leslie Gosden. Leslie, welcome. I'm so delighted to be able to speak with you today. I'm delighted to be here with you. Oh my goodness. Leslie, can you share with me how long you have lived with Parkinson's? Too long, basically. Mm. Um, I was diagnosed in 2004 when I was 43 years old. I had two sons. They were 11 and 13, and it just felt like the end of the world. Um, it took me some time to come to terms with it and try to find the best way to explain it to my boys. But it, it, in some ways, it was quite handy having small children because it meant I had to stay in control myself and keep calm, which was good. And can you tell me how... Does the condition affect your daily life? Can you give us some insight into that? Yeah, it, it has a devastating effect on your quality of life. It, um, it leaves me feeling completely exhausted at times, completely drained of any energy, and just unable to summon up the, the, the will to do anything. You just, I mean, I'm a real sort of generally get-up-and-go sort of person, but if I have a bad day with Parkinson's, I just, I just can't be bothered with anything. Um, I try hard not to let the condition rule my life, but it's, it's not easy. Um, if I get tired or if I get overtired, then it can take me two to three days to recover. So I need to sort of build in some blobbing time to, to you know, help me to recuperate. Could you also share with us an example of a challenge that you face living with the condition? You know, something perhaps that we all take for granted when you do have Parkinson's. Is getting it recognised because so many people see Parkinson's as the archetypal elderly person sitting in the corner shaking, but it really isn't like that. And um, what it does is it, it makes you very slow, as I said before, very lethargic. And if my medication's working, then, then I'm fine, I can function fairly normally. But once my medication wears off, and then that can hit me at any time, um, I become very slow. So I could be in the middle of a supermarket you know, at the checkout, and all of a sudden I start to feel the symptoms kicking in and I can't think straight, I can't pick the change up, I can barely push the trolley, and most people are very unsympathetic. They they just assume that you're being, you know, you're being slow, not that there's anything wrong, and because there's no visible signs of it, you know, you're not in a wheelchair, you're not walking on sticks, you get very little consideration most of the time, I find. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Can you tell me, when did you decide to take an active role in research and, and why? Sure. As soon as I was diagnosed, I went onto the internet and looked at what was available, what treatments there were out there. And I was very acutely aware of the lack of any progress in finding better treatments or a cure, although you know, huge sums of money were being spent. So I just thought, well, I can either sit back and complain or I could do something to try and improve my outlook. Um, I knew that without a major breakthrough, the future was very bleak, and I hate the idea of becoming a burden on my family, so I'd avoid, do anything to avoid that happening. So research really seemed to be the way forward for me. 
And I know you've had an experience with the GDNF trial. Can you tell me how did you first hear about this trial? Well, I'd already taken part in a few smaller trials based around um, questionnaires, cognitive teaching, cognitive testing, motor symptom assessments, etc. And I always keep an eye on the Parkinson's UK website. One day I looked on there and I saw this GDNS trial and I read it and it sort of sparked a bit of interest and then the day, day afterwards I went back to it. Then I phoned Bristol to express my interest and a member of the team called me back almost immediately. I was actually sitting in a car park by the seaside eating fish and chips at the time. So wow. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm so pleased with this trust that they were so connected mm. with their patient community and did respond right away. And what did the trial involve? The aim of the trial was to see whether GDNF, which is um, short form for glial-derived neurotrophic factor, could slow down or even stop progress um, in Parkinson's. And GDNF is a protein with large molecules. And the blood-brain barrier is like a, a very fine mesh. And taking it orally or intravenously would be like trying to push an elephant down a rabbit hole. Um, so it needed to be infused directly into the base of the brain where the cells are dying. Um, a, couple, a company had been commissioned to build a special delivery device which was um, built specifically for this trial. And it consisted of four catheters, a filtration system and a portal on the side of the skull. So the, the trial started with a three-hour MRI scan under general anaesthetic. That produced a 3D image of my brain. Um, and the surgery was actually performed under the supervision of a surgeon, but by a robot. Um, and it just followed the path that was tracked using the MRI scan. So making sure it missed the major blood vessels and areas that don't be like having a tube pushed through them. Then infusions were made four weekly, and every alternate visit did it have to be off medication. Um, this meant stopping all my drugs for 24 hours prior to the assessment, which was a huge ask. Um, mm. It just made you very aware of your symptoms. Um, my mum accompanied me on the overnight trips to Bristol and instead of sleeping, spent the, spent the nights massaging my feet and legs to stop the muscle spasms. Kind of in presence for her, but she was a huge support to me. Mm. Uh, that's a huge commitment. And can you tell me what were some of the best and worst parts of the trial? The best part of the trial was getting to know the other participants. And basically a group of like-minded individuals, the same as me, determined to give Parkinson's a good kicking. Um, the worst part of trial has to be the, it's called a PET scan. And um, it took place in Cardiff. It meant an hour-long taxi journey from Bristol to Cardiff. Now I get very bad cramps in my legs and my feet go into a complete spasm. And this happened because I was off medication. My youngest son was travelling with me and he's just over six foot tall and he spent the entire journey with his head in the footwell trying to relieve the cramps. And by the end of the journey, I was literally laying across the top of the other passengers with my head out one window and my feet out the other. So oh, my goodness. On the M4 that day, must have wondered what was going on. But the scan was horrible. It was, um, it was like being in a coffin. And we had to lay still, completely still, with no movement, with my head clamped into a frame, my arms strapped to my side for an hour and 35 minutes. Oh and it was just impossible. I, I begged to get that taken out in the end. I couldn't stand it. And then I had to have it done again. But the second time I had um, 
sleeping tablets and muscle relaxants, which made it a lot easier. I see. But um, on the, the first occasion, my son spent over an hour laid on the floor with me, massaging the cramps. I felt so proud of him because he remained cool and really in control. It must have been horrible for him, but um, he got his own back because he told me rotten jokes all the way. I'll get my own back one day. <laughs> yeah, you sound like you have extraordinary children. Uh, what an experience. And how did the placebo work? Do you know if you were on a placebo? How did, how did that work? Um, well, initially, we didn't know whether we were going to be on placebo or GDNF. Um, as it turned out, I was on placebo for the first nine months. But I did guess that I was on it because you know, other people were seeing improvements and I wasn't. So I was, I was definitely on placebo for the, from the start, then moved on to GDNF after the nine months. Hmm. I know we had had a prior conversation where you had mentioned something about in the trial itself, the first nine months were considered a failure in terms of reaching the primary endpoint. And I wanted to get yeah. your thoughts on why you think that is, or was, I should say. Um, well, I'm not a scientist, obviously, I, I know, but I, I do know Parkinson's, and I think the targets were set too high. The dosage of GDNF was possibly too small, and the assessment process is... It doesn't really capture the full the full impact of Parkinson's. The variation of symptoms and severity of condition amongst the participants as well was a, a, a huge variation. Um, and there wasn't really enough time given to allow for changes to be monitored. I think the other thing is that they didn't take into account the fact that having brain surgery, it, it really does knock stuffing out of you for about three months. So that would have a, 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 an effect on the trial results. Mm. And how did that announcement of the failure of the primary endpoint affect you and your family? Oh, it was it was just complete shock. Um, we knew it worked. We'd done the hard bit. We'd played our role. And it was just down to the scientists to prove it. When it sunk in that this was the end of the trial, I, I went from total depression to anger quite quickly. Um, I mean, my friends, relatives, family, it was so blindingly obvious to anyone who knew me that this worked. It just hadn't been proven. And I felt completely let down and, I suppose, bewildered. Um, we knew from the outset of the trial that there weren't any guarantees. We had that drummed into us at the start that we could hope for a success, but we couldn't expect it, and we accepted that. Mm-hmm. What we hadn't anticipated was that it would prove effective, but that the researchers had failed to capture this. It was just unbelievable and completely soul-destroying. Mm-hmm. It felt as though the hell I'd put my family through had all been for nothing, as it was doomed to failure from the start by the unrealistic trial design. Hence the incredible importance of the patient voice and input in trial design. I want to take you back. I mean, when did you start to notice that the GDNF infusions were working? Well, generally, when I got back from, from Bristol from the infusions, I would be absolutely exhausted. I'd drive home, go into the lounge, collapse into my favorite armchair, and I'd be asleep till bedtime. The trip just left me totally wiped out. Mm-hmm. Then on, on the, sec- uh, the second infusion of GDNF, I arrived home, and as usual, the family all sort of gathered in the kitchen, and I needed to go to the toilet. So I went to our downstairs loo, but somebody had beaten me to it. So because bladder urgency is, is a, one of the less pleasant symptoms of Parkinson's, I had to make it upstairs fairly quickly. So I ran upstairs, used the loo, and came back down. When I walked into the kitchen, there was a, a huge 
huge round of applause and they're all just looking at me smiling and I thought, what have I done? So I said, you know, what on earth have I done? And you've just run up the stairs and they knew that previously I'd, I'd be on my hands and knees getting up there and you know, it was like all of a sudden something had shifted. It was, it was quite dramatic. Wow. So... And other, so other changes were... I mean, I was, I was able to drive longer distances without cramping. I had a, a great increase in my energy levels, and I wasn't so, so fatigued all the time. And it revitalized my independence, which is so important to me. Oh, I can only imagine that is vital. Of course, the trial was stopped and, you know, utter devastation. Can you tell me your view on what lessons need to be learnt from this trial? I think the initial trial design needs to be realistic and it needs to have patient welfare as a top priority and above all, never take anything for granted. I think the problem was that the scientists were so confident that it would work that they hadn't allowed for failure and I think it shocked them as much as it did us. Certainly, you know, the clinicians we were working with, they were as devastated as we were. It wasn't just the patients. But um, the psychological effect on me has been immense. Without the support of my family, I wouldn't have been able to cope with it. It was just so disappointing. You, know, you build your hopes up and, and then you're just just left you know, hanging. But the end of the trial spelled, basically spelled the end of hope and it had a profound effect on me. So on the one hand, the folks behind the trial were very transparent. However, because you had such a good result once you got on the actual drug, it suddenly came to an end, and yeah. now you can't go back to how that felt, Yeah, which is incredibly disappointing and difficult. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Can I take you into the world of clinical trials for a moment, a little bit more into that world? What do you think needs to change in the world of research? I'd love to get your view as a patient on that topic. I think I think it's got to be acknowledged that scientists understand the workings of the brain. They can identify what areas of research need to be carried out. But patients understand living every day with the condition. I think unless you wake up each morning as stiff as a board, you can't get out of bed on your own, you shuffle to the bathroom, your mind's in a fog, you take your medication and then wait 45 minutes to an hour for it to make, make me feel vaguely human. I think if, if they've gone through that, they, they, they might understand how it is to live with Parkinson's. It, it, is, a, it is a life sentence. Um, research is ridiculously expensive and, and it's notoriously diff difficult. Um, thousands of people put through a superhuman effort to raise money for causes they believe in. Perhaps because someone they love has the condition or they have it. But um, this, these superhuman efforts, they need to be rewarded with better designed research, I think. We, we owe it to them to spend the money wisely. But I think basically it has to be a, a collaboration of scientists and patients and an acknowledgement that I know nothing about the brain, but they know very little about Parkinson's and working together. Thank you very much for sharing that. How can the success rate of clinical trials be improved? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the assessment tools are outdated, they're very artificial, and they don't really measure PD very accurately. Um, things, for example, the, the dexterity tests consist of finger tapping, tapping your two fingers together and tapping the finger of the assessor and your nose. 
I mean, what it ought to do is to be based on everyday activities because I can perform the set test till the cows come home equally as well on or off medication. But ask me to take the lid off a bottle, get a tablet out of a blister pack, or pick up a small pill from a table, and I'm lost when I'm unmedicated. So in my everyday life, I mean, it's fairly obvious that I don't tend to walk around tapping my nose or tapping my fingers, but I do need to take tablets out of blister packs. So mm-hmm. if assessments would actually relate to everyday activities, I think it would be far easier to assess the effect it's having on quality of life. Thank you for that. What do you think is the future of the GDNF drug? We're hoping that the fact that sprouting was seen in the brains of 100% of the trial participants shows there's need for further research. When I, I mentioned the PET scan we had done earlier, that was to test the actual brain cells down in the base of the, of the brain where, the, where the, the protein was being delivered. And it did show that those brain cells had sprouting, which means they're starting to, to regrow. And that's never, ever been proven before. So, I mean, I'm not saying that GDNF is the be-all and end-all, but I think it needs more It needs more research. And the, the participants feel so strongly about the fact that it works that we're still fighting for a further trial, and we know it works. And, you know, we're trying to get it back on the, on the agenda. Leslie, how do you view pharmaceutical involvement in clinical research? Um, well, it's probably a difficult one to answer without being too controversial, but um, there was a large pharmaceutical company who were given first option on the rights to GDNF should it prove effective. When the results were pub- published, they didn't back out straight away, but they kept their option open, which left us entirely in the wilderness. We had months not knowing whether the trial would continue, clinging on to the hope that it would, but that the evidence of patient experience would pers- persuade them to carry on. But um, whilst we believe that they were seriously contemplating what their options were, having heard nothing from them for about six months, we suddenly learned of a press, re- a press release that had gone out to the world in general, announcing that they were pulling out of all neurological research. So it completely put the lid on GDNF. And to say, you know, we'd, we'd just been anxiously waiting to know what their decision was. So I think the, the number of people that were waiting for that decision and, and, and what hinged on it, it would have been so much better had they told us, you know, person, told the group as a whole. But I think the most irritating part about it is that because they took so long to make the decision, it meant that no other pharmaceutical company could 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 um, put money into it and pay for the trial to continue. So I don't know. It's um, I know decisions of this magnitude aren't made overnight, um, but no mention was made of it when we were laboring under the illusion that they were still considering their position. So a more cynical person than me might suggest that it was a deliberate ploy to ensure that no one else could take up the rights to GVNF if they weren't going to take them up themselves. Thank you for that insight. And I'm sorry that's how you found out about the trial coming to an end was through a public release. A press, a press release, yeah. Mm. With the benefit of hindsight, would you volunteer again? Yes, without hesitation. Um, we've proved that the delivery device works and that's now being used to treat brain tumors in children. So, you know, mm. even if even if GDNF doesn't continue, then that is helping children, which is great. And, I mean, unless people continue to volunteer for trials, then progress can't be made. So, yes, I, I would definitely do it again. And 
May I ask, what is your hope for the future? What is my hope for the future? Um, to have a future, really, I think. Um, Parkinson's is a very frightening condition. It's, um, I just hope that the scientists can, can get to understand it and that, you know, our, our views can be amalgamated. Um, for, for the pharmaceuticals, driving forces profits, but for the patient, we just want better quality of life. So I guess my hope for the future is that at least a, a treatment can be found that can slow down progression or stop progression. It's that knowledge that next day is always going to be worse and you're going to be worse in a couple of months and you don't know what the future holds. So the hope for the future is basically to have a future. Thank you for that. And do you have advice for people who are newly diagnosed with Parkinson? Because as you said, it is frightening, but how could it be less frightening? What would you recommend people do when they get a diagnosis? I think that the most important thing that's really helped me is to, is to make friends with people with Parkinson's because uh, you find we're very supportive of each other and you realize that you're not alone and there's lots of people with the condition. It doesn't make yours any better, but it does help you get through the day. And the other thing is don't look, too, don't look up too much information initially. And the internet is a, is a wealth of information, but it's also a very frightening place and it also has a lot of bad information, which um, isn't good for people. And I think um, the best thing is to, to, sites like your Parkinson's Trust or Parkinson's UK offer solid, sound advice um, rather than speculation. So I think it's important to try and keep a steady head on. But the main thing is not to give in to it. Um, everybody tells you you've got to remain positive, and that's quite hard to do when it's when it's really hitting you. But it, it is so true. You do have to remain positive and don't let it don't let it take you over. Mm. Leslie, can you share with me? I know you've been an incredible advocate. I mean, just exceptional. What are you doing personally now? or you hope to, to improve the success rate of clinical trials? Well, I'm working with um, a, a pharma company to try and improve the assessment tools. Um, I work as a, a PPI volunteer, which mean, which is patient public involvement, which means looking at research grants and advising the researchers on whether it's worth doing and whether it's helpful to patients. That's through Parkinson's UK. Um, I'm also a lay grant reviewer, which means I look at grants, grants that are sent into Parkinson's for funding. But since the, um, the, the BBC documentary was aired on the trial, interest in GDNF has, has spiralled, and I've been invited around the country to talk to fellow sufferers about the trial and about my experience, and that's been a, a, a completely mind-numbing experience. It really has, because the people I've met out there have been so lovely, and so many people that you know suffer with the condition that will do anything they can to, to try and try and conquer it and you know the hope that springs from GDNS is just incredible and the, the participants are almost treated like royalty when we come and talk They're, you know people are so pleased to listen to us and it's just nice to think that having been on the trial it's, it's given us a voice in research in general and they ought to treat you like royalty. You absolutely deserve it. And I do hope that this podcast will also help elevate the importance of Parkinson's research. We are never to give up. 
And we have to get even more focused, more so than ever, especially when there's a promising trial like GDNF. And how can we reassess this to give more people opportunities to make them feel better? One of the reasons for the lack of success is that it's not that the treatments don't work, it's that we're not proving it. And I think until the thinking changes and assessments change, we're going to keep getting failed trials. Leslie, that is an excellent note to finish on. I cannot thank you enough for sharing your incredibly important voice to this matter. It has been a sincere pleasure speaking with you, and thank you Thanks so much. Me. Thank you, Leslie. Leslie will be the keynote patient advocate speaker at the Patients as Partners Europe Conference, taking place in London on January 27th and 28th. And for more information, visit theconferenceforum.org. Again, theconferenceforum.org. Thanks, everyone.